Welcome to Travel Talks with T. In this time of disconnection, we at PredictX want to stay as connected as possible. That is why we're inviting key innovators from the business travel industry to have virtual tea with us and to share what they've been up to while the travel industry recovers. This week, we will be turning the tables and I will be interviewing editorial director for Business Travel News, Elizabeth West. We will be discussing her career, recent changes at BTN Media and Events, as well as her take on how the business travel industry will recover. Thank you, Elizabeth, so much for joining our tea time here at PredictX. I wanted to start off by saying, how does it feel to have the roles reversed that uh, you are being interviewed instead of being the interviewer? How does that feel? Well, it's funny because this is the second time in a couple of weeks that that has happened. So one of the other publications in the North Star Travel Group asked to um, interview me for a podcast they were doing. So um, I'm starting to become accustomed to it. Good, good. Well, I know it's always been yours have always made us feel comfortable whenever okay. interviewing us. So I hope I do the same in kind to you as you've always done for me throughout the years. So why don't we start off on, and tell me, how are you doing in the midst of all this COVID? How are you, how are you holding up and based on your location? Well, so I am in New Jersey. So New Jersey has done a pretty good job of reducing the curve, right? So um, I'm very happy about that. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're out and about and just uh, things are back to business as usual. They're definitely not. I think what has been more encouraging than anything is to interview people who are truly trying to collaborate to make a difference and to uh, contribute to solutions. So um, that, you know, as much bad news and discouraging news as there is out there, when you really talk to people um, trying to bring business travel back and trying to make those hard decisions, it's quite inspiring. So I um, always ask, you know, what is your, your drink of choice in your glass? And in your honor, I brought my life is good. Oh, that is a lot. On the back, it is good karma. Oh, <laughs> very so I, nice. Yeah, so that is in honor of you, my friend, because I know you do a lot for other people and Thanks. you have a lot of good karma um, around you, you as a result of it and to remind us all that life is good. Um, so, yes. Um, how about you? What do you typically, what's your drink of choice? I'm a tea okay. drinker. Today, so normally if I need a little kick in the day, I go for an iced coffee, and but it's, it's black. There's no sugar or milk in it but um but today i am going with the basic of water nice so um yeah so i've got water today it's a hot afternoon all right well we want to know about you the professional uh, okay. i'm always fascinated by your career and that is you start off as a, a ballerina dancer and then all of a sudden you are the first woman Editor-in-Chief for Business Travel News. Yeah. Um, you know, well-deserved, well-earned, but can you tell us a little bit about how you got there so others can learn as, as they um, make it their way through their career journey? Sure. 
Um, well, I will tell you this, it wasn't all of a sudden, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did start life, uh, my professional life, as a ballet dancer, um, but that, that was quite early on. I was 16 when I became a professional ballet dancer. And, um, but I was always, I always really loved to write, and um, I did, I, unlike many young dancers, I did actually go to college, which, um, you know, uh, set me up to be prepared for when my, um, for when my dancing career was over. So um, that did my that did occur when I was about 27. Well, it was a meetings publication actually, and it it still exists today, and in fact is part of the North Star Group today. Um, although it wasn't then when I started, it's called Successful Meetings, and um, yeah, so that's how I started. I just kind of I that was when you still had to apply to jobs in the New York Times, right? So there was still a paper. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, you just work up from there. But I, I was, after three years at Successful Meetings, I did have a huge leap in my career. I became a chief editor for quite a small publication. Um, and then uh, a couple of years after that, the chief editor of Meeting News Magazine, um, which has an iteration today that's different than it was before. Um, and then, you know, you a career path is always a tangled, a tangled, web, right? So um, you take one thing after another and then uh, you work as hard as you can and get as much experience as you can and um, put yourself out there and try not to be afraid to do that next thing, which I, I think is a struggle for many people to kind of overcome the fear of not being able to do that next step or to take that risk. Um, and so I just always took the next step that I was probably afraid to take and then just did it anyway. <laughs> so, so then here I am. So I was very honored to be asked to be the editor of BTN five years ago. And um, it is true that I'm the first woman editor and I, I don't want to make light of that. Um, there haven't been so many editors of BTN over the years. And um, David Meyer was the editor for, for many, many years. And then uh, a, a, a few, a few people after that. Um, Jay Campbell was the editorial director for a while and uh, Chris Davis was another editor and then I believe I took the helm from Chris Davis who is now managing editor. He came back to BTN because he couldn't, he just couldn't bear to be away. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I, I'm sure it's a great place to come back to. I think we have worked together for so long and we enjoy the people that we work with um, and that says a lot. I think that is such an important part of your working life is to work with people you respect and who, um, you know, give you that, you know, give you the respect and give you the opportunities that um, will help you to grow. And so I always try to provide that as the um, head of the, of the publication, but also I'm always looking for that as well as, um, you know, what is that? What's that next thing and that, that will fulfill me personally as well as professionally? So as you know, our industry has never been impacted like this ever. And there's not a playbook for us. And there are a lot of our friends um, have been furloughed or laid off in, mm -hmm. in record numbers. Yes. 
what career advice would you give them as they face this journey and kind of lessons you've learned or things that you're seeing in the marketplace? What advice can you give them? Well, I think there are a few things and some of this may not be received that well, but um, I think first I mentioned before is not to be afraid to do that next thing, even if it's way out of your comfort zone or you don't think you're qualified to do. Um, you'll, you'll have to work hard, um, but if you, you want it, you know, there's a, something called a growth mindset and there's absolutely um, nothing to keep you from growing into the role um, if that's the thing that you want. Um, I do think there, and I certainly have experienced in my career, my two careers, leaving a dancing world and coming into an editorial world, um, leaving something behind if that's the right thing for you at the time and not to be afraid to change industries if that's right for you and your family and for the next step. We love, we love the travel industry. If there's not an opportunity there for you, use your skills, transfer them to something else. And I think, you know, you'll be surprised at what you can achieve. That is great feedback. As a matter of fact, I think one of the many um, challenges that we're going to face as an industry is we're going to lose top talent. We are because they have no other choice. And we're going to it is a very that, difficult that innovation, that intellect, all of that we're going to. So let's switch, shift gears here to all things BTN. You know? yeah. um, so when you think about it, you guys have been through a lot of changes. You guys had an incredible uh, event in London. I think it was probably the last travel industry event. I know. It, it feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? It does. It does. But a lot of changes going on at BTN. So let's hear about you. You report on all the challenges that all these other companies are going through and facing. What about BTN? What are some of the challenges? I call them peaches and pips. I'm a southerner. It's just what we yeah. talk about food. You know, everything's related in an analogy to food. So tell me about BTN's peaches and pips. What are some of your challenges and, and some of the, the highlights? I think some of the challenges, I, I do think that the, um, the high of launching BTS or not launching it, but launching it as our, as part of our brand mm -hmm. in, in the UK in London in February, that was a real, that was a real win. It was a wonderful show. Um, and the, the, the steep drop right after that was, um, quite, it, you know, for me personally, it kind of took the rug out from under the, the, the buoyancy of all of that. So that, that, that was tough. Um, I think just kind of on an, on an emotional level, I think is what I'm trying to say is that, you know, you feel so that, that you can take on the world and then boom, there's, everything's changed. Um, but I think what we have found more than anything is that engagement in our brands as sources of information, as sources of education, as a forum for brainstorming and problem solving has magnified tremendously during this time. We've never had a larger readership. We've never had greater attendance at our um, digital events. Um, so 
from that aspect, it's been amazing for us. But, you know, I think like everyone else, it's, it's hard times. You have to pivot quickly and be agile. And that's what we're doing now in terms of our events, concentrating on digital. And we've certainly done more webinars than um, we've ever done before. And, uh, you know, that will continue. And I think that we, but we have to grow beyond webinars and we have to push ourselves to say, what is the next format? What, it, how can we um, engage and um, provide forums? I think that's a really important aspect of BTN is that we have been a, a provider of dialogue and forums for this industry. And um, we need to be able to continue doing that probably in a hybrid way, some you know, very intimate in-person events um, and extending that reach in a more digital platform. So that's, you know, like everyone, that's what we're doing. Well, it's interesting. I thought you've always done a great job at reinventing yourself. You're kind of the Madonna, you know, <laughs> out there. You know, in, in particular, what I loved is, let's talk about some of those events while we're on that thread, is in a sea of a great deal of competition in that arena, you, mm -hmm. you came out as a late kind of focus on it, and yet you took over that space in a very short period of time in a very competitive uh, landscape, because you're competing not just for those that do events, you know, the standard industry events, but advisory boards and all these other things, all those are, are, you know, you're competing for that, you know, buyer's time and supplier's time and resources. And yet you've done it and you, you've built on that platform and very successfully. So, and now you're going to continue to evolve. I know you've got a virtual event coming up here as well. So, you know, what's the secret to all your success? How do you always seem to reinvent yourself and, and do it so well and have best in class events like that. I, I think your innovation one is by far the best out there in the industry. Well, I think there's a lot that goes into that. And it's certainly, you're saying you, but it's certainly not just me. And I know you mean the brand by that. I think that BTN first and foremost is a longstanding trusted brand that has a lot of engagement from the travel manager community, from the buyer community. Yes, we, when we ask people to be on our boards, when we ask people to be in our steering committees, they oblige um, for the most part. It is, um, it is, a, it is by using those bodies um, that we are able to design content that is relevant to this audience. And, you know, we follow the buyer. And until, you know, and in, unless you're following the buyer, you can't design those formats and conversations and face-to-face -face content that, um, that is really going to be valuable to them. And that's really um, what we have done. Certainly, absolutely, there are, we have very innovative people on our team. We have very creative thinkers. And, you know, we're not afraid to think across the different lines of the business. So I collaborate with David Meyer and David Meyer advises me. And 
Louis Magliero has a ton of great ideas, our executive vice president and uh, publisher. So um, he's, he's, he always has great ideas. Thank you. So let's flip over to uh, the whole virus situation here. There's been a lot of projections of the pace of recovery. And they're all projections because, again, we don't have a playbook right now. So what are your thoughts on what you think the pace of recovery is going to be based on all these experts that have reported out through your medium and others? Um, well, the pace of recovery. Um, are we talking about the recovery of business travel? Are we talking yes. about the recovery from COVID? Um, well, they're know, connected. Uh, I know they're linked. They're um, but the travel, let's talk business travel. Okay. Um, my personal synthesis of the information that has, that we've gathered at BTN and, you know, all of the experts that we talk to, um, you know, some people are just more optimistic than others and they think they're going to be traveling. And, and it also, as we have seen, is very geographically, um, dependent. So we've already seen um, borders in the EU starting to open up. We've certainly seen the same um, and even earlier in Asia. And I think that that is a wonderful sign. But as we all know, the US is not a part of that right now. Um, travelers from the US are not permitted into, I will say the U.S. is not on the list of 15 Correct. countries outside of the EU that the European Commission has sort of put it together. And uh, so, so I think we have a very different experience here than in other regions, and we have to continue to fight through that. Um, and with so many of our suppliers in this industry being global suppliers, they will, they will have that kind of uneven recovery as well. And so they may shift their focus to take advantage of the movement in other regions before they are able to take advantage of anything in the US. And um, I think we might start to see that. So I know you're very close to the travel buyers and you've been doing these regular forums you know, um, in, in talking to them, putting them together to kind of work together as an entity. So what are the, you know, probably top three things they're focusing on? Well, certainly, I think one of the most interesting things that um, has come through in many of the talks that um, I've had, and we've had sort of, we were very early on in establishing these dialogues. They were very informal, um, but about about 200 travel managers and they, and, and in our forums, they were buyer only forums. Um, but one of the early messages that came through was that travel had been tapped in many different ways. Um, but importantly had been tapped to be part of the quote unquote return to work, mm -hmm. which I think we've all been working. So I'm not sure that's the, the right, <laughs> exact description, but um, this return to the office and return to work um, strategies and um, functional teams 
within their organizations. And I think that shows the importance of travel to the business. So that was the first thing that came through and the engagement and the willingness and actually the enthusiasm of buyers to um, be on those teams and be a part of that um, recovery community within their own organizations was really, really great. And so the, so the second thing I was going to say was that the, the focus on duty of care has elevated travel to a kind of different level within the organization and to understand that, you know, travel is not going to be the same, work is not going to be the same, and the focus on the employee has to be ratcheted up um, because it's the right thing to do. And, um, and I think that travel managers can have a lot of input and already have so much knowledge about this that maybe their companies hadn't been 100% willing to go there in the past. I think they're willing now. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We're seeing shifts there, uh, mm -hmm. being able to get strategies through that historically that they've been hesitant about for various yeah. different reasons on it. I'm just gonna say the third thing okay. is that um, as we see these different shifts in travel management and the different demands that are being placed on, on travel buyers, there are certain elements of this shift that um, may be permanent. And you know, everything waxes and wanes. These may be long lasting changes within travel programs. Not that, not that everything has to be rebuilt from the ground up. And yes, I do think people will have sort of overlay policies that they can rely on that don't change everything underneath them. But some of the aspects of those overlay policies will continue beyond the COVID issues. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on all points. So let's shift that same question, but focus on the supplier side versus the buyer side. Right. Same question. So what will change on the, on the supply side? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they're very related. I, I think the um, ability to build confidence in the customer, whether it is the um, quote-unquote consumer or the employee, which to me they're very similar. Um, <laughs> so I, that, building trust. I think obviously a focus on cleanliness, a focus on sanitization, and then communicating that uh, as much as one can. I, I do think that companies that um, sort of approach this from a marketing perspective and um, will have a harder time building trust. Um, I, I do think there has to be data and a demonstrated process um, before the trust is going to be there. So um, it'll be interesting to see how all of the different supplier categories um, work on this and they've done so much work already and it's been it's been excellent work so far i think um everyone's doing everything they can i think to do the right things and to uh build trust back in the customer in the customer base but i i also think there's the reality that the virus is still here there's the reality that travel did spread the virus and we have to continue to be vigilant about that truth I absolutely agree. Well said. 
So the, the last question for you is, is there any question, flipping the sides, if you were in my shoes, that I should have asked you that I didn't? Um, so any other questions that uh, you think would be relevant here? Well, I do think there's something, there's a question of innovation. So there's, um, so you mentioned our Innovate Conference. And I think the, um, I think the need for innovation right now is very high. Um, what technologies will be coming into play in our industry that will help to um, validate some of the different things that we've talked about already? Um, for example, do we have a way to validate that a hotel room has been cleaned? Is there data that can be gathered about that? Do we have traveler data that we can, if it's contact tracing or, or some other um, innovation in terms of technology that we can take with us as we travel to communicate and validate that the traveler is safe? And I do know that these things are being developed. Um, there was a travel scrum hackathon uh, some weeks back that uh, I think some, there were some interesting results there. I'm hoping to see more of that um, at our Innovate conference in, um, in the fall. So I'm very interested to see how companies that we may never have um, considered before um, may come into our industry and help, to, um, and help us to pursue solutions. And so I'm very eager to see that. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that. I, I do say with every challenge becomes innovation. You know, it, it, it's, you know, the best innovation, I always tell my sisters when we dream of inventing something <laughs> and, you know, coming you know, to our entrepreneurial spirit, I said, keep a list of all the things that are kind of pains or challenges or this. Innovation is a direct result of that. If you think of some of the best innovation, it comes from something that frustrated you or challenged you or something like that. So I agree, it's it's what brings out the best of our industry. And I think our industry is, is really, um, you know, exceptional, absolutely exceptional at doing that. Well, let's hope so, because we need it right now. <laughs>